Are you downsizing? Maybe need more room because of additions to the family, or possibly seeking that dream home you've always wanted. Well, Tim Eisner at Royal LePage Atlantic is the guy for you. With a proven track record and multiple awards, Tim goes above and beyond to find out your needs and exactly what you're looking for. So if you're seeking a new home or trying to sell your current one, contact Tim at 902-499-5717 or check him out on Facebook at Tim Eisner. Again, that's 902-499-5717. Trust me, when all is said and done, we'll be saying Tim Eisner strikes again. Hey, hey, what's going on, everyone? Hope everybody had a great weekend. Welcome to episode 90 of Outside the Shoot. I'm your host, Randy Frame. This week's OTC Player of the Week comes to us from Central Valley Christian High School out of California as Megan Statton takes on the weekly honors. Megan threw 13 innings this week, allowing no runs and striking out a whopping 34 batters. One of those games resulted in a, a no-hitter against Hoover. Man, that's, that, that's a fantastic job, Megan. Best of luck the rest of the season. On to this week's guest, and we sat down and chatted with the University of Michigan alum and 2005 Women's College World Series most outstanding player, Samantha Finley. Sam had an amazing four years at University of Michigan. As a freshman in 2005, she would have a Cinderella season. She was named Big Ten Conference Freshman of the Year to go along with Michigan's first ever national title at the Women's College World Series, as well as being named the tournament's most outstanding player. In that final game against UCLA, Sam would hit a three-run shot in the top of the 10th inning to seal the deal for the Wolverines. She would end her tenure with Michigan as the school's all-time career leader in home runs, walks, and RBIs. Sam then went on to win the 2008 NPF Championship with her hometown Chicago Bandits before retiring from the game in 2012 to start a family. We're going to talk to Sam about how she got her start in the game, the journey to get to the University of Michigan, that epic freshman season, and much, much more. Sam was an absolute pleasure to chat with, and I wish nothing but the best for her and her beautiful family moving forward. So as usual, grab that drink, sit back, relax, because here we go. I've got the world in my palm, lights, camera, action, it's on. I can't describe what I'm feeling, ain't never felt this freedom. I've got the world in my palm, lights, camera, action, it's on. Ain't never felt this freedom. Could you, could you say that? Here we go. Sam, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Hey, Randy. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys. How's uh, how's things going down the Windy City today? Uh, you wouldn't believe it, but it's 29 degrees and snowing in the end of March. So we've seen all four seasons in one day here. <laughs> it's funny. Every guest I have, I like to, you know, go on and look at the the weather prior to, to talking to them. And about 20 minutes ago, I went on Chicago and I was like, oh, wow, it's yep. <laughs> it's 32 degrees, feels like 19 and snowing. <laughs> and it is cold. But the other day it was 70 and sunny and we were outside. So. Unreal. That's Unreal. Chicago. Yeah, yeah, and that's funny. Like I'm on, I'm on the east coast of Canada here, and it's it's 50 degrees outside and sunny right now. 
So, I mean, that's yeah, for us, that's fantastic. Yeah. The sun's peering through, but it's frigid cold. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, if, I mean, before long, we're going to be complaining about the heat, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. I never complain about nah, the heat. True. The sun is great. Good point. Good point. So, uh, so what's day-to-day life like now for uh, Samantha Finley? Uh, I am the mother of two young children. I have uh, a son who's in second grade. His name is Logan. He's named after the Wolverine. And I have a daughter who is six in kindergarten. Her name is Annabelle. And uh, a day in the life looks like I am a, uh, in the morning, I'm a mother and I take my kids to school. And in during during the week, I am a human resource manager of 300 truck drivers in the city of Chicago. So I work for Ozinga Ready Mix Concrete. It's a concrete company uh, based out of Chicago, a family owned company over 95 years in business. And I've been there for the last eight years. So it's my team away from my team, I call it. Right on. Um, but I, li- I like being on the winning team and I believe hmm. that they produce the best concrete. So that's why I stay there. That's awesome. Like I, I do my thorough research when I, when I do these and I actually, I looked at all of Ozinga's stuff and two things stood out for me. The awesome concrete trucks, like those, <laughs> those stand out. Like, I mean, that's fantastic stuff right there. Yes, they actually, they trademarked the red and white, red and white striped drums so that nobody else can have it. And I, I think the unique thing about that is that they, they want to stand out like that. And me with the backgrounds of sports, I connect with them in that aspect because I think that it is important that you do have a brand and you set yourself apart from others. And I think that their expectation is, you know, their three values there are entrepreneurship, um, learning and service. And, and the biggest thing I've gathered from working there is, you know, we have an opportunity to impact people and their lives on a day-to-day basis. Right. And that's why I enjoy working where I do. Awesome. Awesome. And another thing that stood out is uh, the social media game is on point with Ozinga. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is definitely key. Actually, um, we've gotten so big or they, they've, I say we, cause I'm a part of the team, but yeah, yeah. they've gotten, they've gotten so big so fast. And, um, I think what, what is key about all of that is they, they try to, um, streamline it and make sure that everybody, you know, is focused in on what they're good at and why we do what we do. And and they truly believe in their purpose Mm -hmm. and giving back to the community. And I think that those key things that they do, they don't just say it, they actually do it in person and from the top to the bottom, like we have our, you know, our owners out there doing these things on a day-to-day basis. That's awesome. Sounds like a, sounds like a great company to work for, for sure. Now uh, you mentioned Logan and Annabelle. What, uh, what are they into? So my son, he, um, he likes basketball and football and obviously he's a big Tom Brady fan. So we're happy about Mr. Brady return. (laughs) And we've turned into Buccaneers fans in this house. And, um, my daughter just started a six U softball. So that's something I look forward to. I had a chance to coach her last year and I had 15, six year old girls and one girl, had our mom or dad carry her own equipment. We had 15 girls who were taught how to carry their own equipment, even though it weighed more than they did. <laughs> it was their responsibility to come to practice on time and carry their own equipment. Hey, so start we're trying early. to raise, 
smart-minded athletes. Absolutely. Hey, get them, start them early. I mean, they can, they can only benefit, right? Yeah. I, I, I truly think that the best coaches, um, for fundamentals should be at this between the six and the 10 U levels. Cause that's where all of the key development of the sport happens. The mm-hmm. fundamentals are, you know, the foundation for, I think success in this sport. And then as they continue to grow, um, it, it makes it a lot easier for their transition as the talent pool gets, you know, better and everybody is good. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we have a little thing. We like to kick the podcast. I know we're five minutes in, but <laughs> a little thing. I like to kick the, kick the podcast off with. I call it quick pitches. I'm gonna throw mm-hmm. out. I'm gonna throw out some random questions to you. They're like okay. they're, they're, I say they're random, but I do kind of do my <laughs> research on them. You know what I mean? But uh, anyway, you prepare. Yeah, I do. I do. I do. But uh, anyway, I'm gonna throw them out to you, and and you answer them as best you can. Okay. All right. First one. I ask every every guest this one. If you had to live off one meal for a week, what would it be? One meal for a week, it would have to be protein steak. I lift a lot, oh, so nice. I gotta make sure I have protein. Yeah, can't go wrong with steak either. Oh, <laughs> so good. Uh, biggest thing you miss at University of Michigan? Biggest thing I miss is um, actually the the coaching staff. Um, I, I can't name a better coaching staff. I know there's a, a ton of great coaches at the division one level, but the way that the staff works together as a unit, I think is something that I try to strive for in my daily life and my career, you know, mm-hmm. outside of athletics and something that you want, you know, everybody to feel a part of. Right on. Yeah. I mean, it starts with the, t- I mean, start with Hutch. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to beat that. Right very hard and, yeah. and she's a legend in, in her own but she's also earned it and I think that that's why um people respect her so much and she loves Michigan more than anything and I think that's how she gets the athletes to believe in Michigan the way that she loves Michigan and yeah. I think that's her her asset right on uh next one here uh tough one for you if you had to choose between Eminem and Tom Brady who are you going with oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> See, I do my research. <laughs> oh my god! Um, I can only pick one. Yep. Could I? Could I watch Eminem at Tom Brady's game? Hey, hey. <laughs> Super Bowl! <laughs> like, hey, if Tom had made <laughs> the Super Bowl this year, <laughs> maybe this year, yeah. um, I would have to pick Tom Brady. Okay, okay, that makes sense. I, I figured, I figured, but uh, I can't go wrong with Eminem though. Old Slim no. Shady. Yes. <laughs> uh, next one. You can go anywhere in the world on vacation. Where would it be? Um, I would like to see Greece. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Anywhere else? Um, I don't know. I'm a homebody. Yeah. If I'm not working, I like to be at home. So. Well, then it, why wouldn't you want to stay in Chicago? There's so much to do. <laughs> <laughs> change of seasons change the weather yeah okay actually roll into my next one best thing about living in chicago um i I just i love the seasons i'm a big fall person and the fall in chicago is really pretty and i I like to see you know the leaves change that's Mm -hmm. my favorite part september bonfires i like being outside um and and I, i do i like that the seasons change here and that it's not all one one weather condition year round. Yeah, I hear you. Same here on the East Coast. It's mm-hmm. it's I love it. Like fall fall is by far my favorite season for sure. 
Um, and football, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. See, we're, we're hockey up here in Canada, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, where's my next one here? Uh, what's your favorite holiday? Favorite holiday would have to be Christmas. Um, I just, my kids enjoy it the most. And I, and I like seeing, you know, their joy when they walk down and see the tree lit up in the morning. Um, I also like Halloween and Easter coming up here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I got to bring up your, your Christmas because, you know, <laughs> following you on Instagram, I see your elf on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to yes, take a lot of time. That's the toughest part about having children <laughs> and Christmas is the elf on the shelf. But the best thing is there's so many blogs and there's people that do it for a living. It's so true. That you can get creative with it. And I, I try to tie it to, you know, the ideas that they're into um, and try yeah. to get them to laugh about it oh, so hopefully they'll remember those memories i laugh so hard at your uh, your toilet one <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's a good one it's funny <laughs> they, he didn't make it there quick enough yeah. <laughs> uh, all right two more here uh on a scale of one to ten with ten being awesome how would you rate your karaoke skills <laughs> oh my god i'm terrible probably a three <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm not a good singer okay good to know uh last one <laughs> uh what's your favorite show to binge binge watch if you watch any Favorite show to binge watch? Um, I've been watching Billions. Billions. And I forgot what I just watched. I don't watch a lot of TV. What's Billions? Is it on, is it Netflix or? Um, I think it's Netflix or Hulu. And then the other one was, I just, we just started the, um, the Uber, the one where he, he, the guy who invented Uber. So I just started them. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I do like the Kardashians. That's like a, <laughs> but they're not on anymore yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into your career. Uh, tell us about getting your start playing and you, you know, your involvement in the game prior to college. So prior to college, I actually, my dad was a slow pitch uh, softballer. So I grew up on a diamond pretty much okay. watching nine guys hammer <laughs> softballs on Friday, Thursday nights. Um, all growing up, I think from like five to six, seven, eight, I remember. Mm -hmm. Um, and then once we started getting involved in softball, he started coaching with us and stopped playing. So he played third base. So I grew up watching, like grown men crush softballs on the field. So yeah. that's kind of how it started. And then my dad, actually, we had a big backyard. And when me and my sister were, I, I think he always tells us he's had us in the cage before three years old. So I, I don't <laughs> quite recall that, but I, that's a conversation. He's always, he's like, Oh, I would have thrown you in the cage at three. And so, um, cause with my kids, yeah. you know, starting up that, you know, we had already been in the cage for two years. Yeah. So, um, that's kind of how it started. And we used to hit, we had a big backyard and a fence. And I remember that when he would pitch to us all the time, he would always tell us, you know, don't try to hit the fence, hit it over that fence, you know? And so that's kind of how we grew up, um, kind of learning our game of softball. And then, um, we actually stayed in Lockport and I won. The cool thing I think about softball is I've always been a part of like a championship team or a winning team at different levels. And so, that that kind of that's part of competing that I enjoy and that I miss that I love. That's why I still kind of stay involved and coach young 
young athletes is just that that competition, that competitive mindset that you get from playing sports. Mm-hmm. And so when I was a um, senior in high school, we won a national, not a national championship. We won a high school championship. So an Illinois state championship. And then I was able to go to Michigan my freshman year and win a national championship. So that was kind of cool to be able to do it at multiple levels. Yeah. yeah. Now, did you have a love for it right away or did that come over time? Um, I think it came over time, but I, I knew I was excelling at it and I enjoyed it. Um, so I think that that's what kind of kept me always wanting to get better at it. Mm -hmm. Now, did you, did you have any role models growing up? Like, you know, that you looked up to or, or, you know, even, even your dad to say. Yeah, mainly my dad, we always wanted to, you know, prove him that we were capable of, of achieving it. He was very hard on us, like, um, wouldn't accept average. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's what helped me become better when the game was on the line and the pressure was on that I was able to perform because I had done it so many times before. And I was pushed, you know, really mm-hmm. hard mentally with just routine practice so that when the game happened, I like wanted to be in that situation i was like ready for where most most people are like okay here's the pressure situation you know can i do it i don't know and and we like it was ingrained in us to be able to perform like that i think at a younger age yeah i think it's fine i think a lot of people overlook that you know that trait you know what i mean like as far as you know going through a date like growing up you know putting yourself in a situation where you know i'm I'm at bat and there's, it's, well, let's use top of the 10th in the women's college world series with two outs. You know what I mean? Like putting themselves in that situation. A lot of people don't do that. And I think that's like, uh, I think a lot of people should do that. Do you agree? I agree a hundred percent. And I think that's what separates good athletes from great athletes. The Mm. great athletes have the ability to control their mindset. I can control my mindset and, and I, will still fail at it, but it's through those failures. I learn how to persevere and have success with it. But if you don't ever put yourself in those pressure situations in practice or try to, you know, feel what the adrenaline feels like before the game actually happens, you never fully know what it's like until you step in the box and the game is on the line and you have to be able to perform. Yeah, exactly. So true. So the, the mindset, I, I, I truly believe that I try to, teach girls even at six, you know, that it, it matters. It truly does. And I'm sure there's probably sports psychology to back that up. But like when an athlete is in the zone, they're in their mindset and that mindset can't be stopped. It it truly can't. And and I think that's why I'm going to go back to Tom Brady. That's why he is as good as he is, is because he knows he can be that great. And he also yeah. trains that way to be that great. Like he wants to be in that situation when the game's on the line, he already knows he's going to do it, whether there's 40 seconds left on the clock or two minutes. Yeah. No, I have to agree. And like, it pains me to say it. I'm a Steelers fan, <laughs> but I, I will say Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. And, and that's hard for me to say, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, tell us about your recruiting process. Was uh, was it always going to be Michigan or were there other schools in the run? 
Um, it was not always going to be in Michigan. So my grandmother uh, was a big reason in my decision of where to go. So she obviously um, was always at our games and she played a big role in that. And I always knew grandma was there watching. So I wanted to pick a place that was, you know, far enough away from home, but close enough where she would be able to go. Right. So, um, I was being recruited all over. I started getting recruited by UCLA and a couple schools. And I think what really put me on, on the map, to be honest with you, and you're familiar with who she is, was we played Taryn Mowat's travel ball team. I believe it was the Bapusters. And I played her in a big tournament in Colorado and like I said, I, I knew you had to perform well in Colorado. So I was having a good weekend and we ended up playing her team. And I think we beat them one nothing. And I had a home run off of her. And then ever since that game, I started getting like a, a lot more noticed mm-hmm. and a lot, you know, a lot more letters. But um, I think that the key thing for me and my decision was making sure that it was you know, the right fit for me and then making sure that my grandma was going to be able to come to the games. So Michigan was in the Midwest. I was four hours, three and a half, four hours away from home. So I was far enough. I was away from, you know, away to experience college, but I was still close enough, you know, to get back home if I needed to. Right on. Makes sense. Makes total sense. I bet you UCLA was uh, <laughs> bummed out after that after your freshman season that you didn't take them. But the <laughs> yes, but the funny story about that is I was getting recruited by UCLA, and then um, obviously, you know, that this was old recruiting process, and I'll never forget. I um, they must have picked another first baseman, and so I'm getting recruited, getting recruited, and then you know everybody makes their decisions because recruiting is a gamble anyway. Yeah. And so they must have picked another first baseman. I'll never forget. I got like the rejection letter from UCLA and I kept it in Ah. my drawer and it's been my motivation ever since. And I still have the letter. My parents know the story. Um, And so that was kind of like my motivation for success when I was going and go figure that's who we ended up playing um, in the world series. Oh my God. Not going to lie. I just got goosebumps. I just got goosebumps (laughs) from that. That's amazing. Like, yeah. So, I love and it's, stories it's like not that. a bad thing. I mean, I'm very good friends, you know, now with Sue Inquist, who was recruiting at the time. Right. And, and that, and, you know, it, you know, maybe had I gone there, it'd been different. I would have got two of them, yeah. but you know, it's just, I think Michigan was the right fit for me yeah. at the time. And as soon as I stepped on campus, I just fell in love with the campus. I fell in love with the way that they, you know, Michigan is this little, town in the middle of Ann Arbor. It's this huge college town in the middle of this like little tiny town. And it just, it felt like home to me. I was going to ask, what do you remember most about arriving there freshman season? Yeah, I think it just was like the way that you drive into Ann Arbor, you pass these train tracks and then all these sport, huge sports, you know, campuses. The first thing you do when you cross the train tracks, like you see these huge sports campuses and then you pull further into, you know, regular campus, not the athletic campus. And it's just this little quiet town and there's houses and families in the middle of this like big campus. And it just like... It, coming from a small town in Lockport where, you know, it's just like a small community and it's like this little homey town. Like it, it's just, it felt right. Campus life must've been pretty cool there. Like, you know, football and all that. Yeah. Being able to be an athlete on campus and it, 
just a student in, in general, it's like the, the buy-in that that community has to the school and to all sports um, and to all activities, honestly, even like the fraternities there, like everything they do is very, very big there and everybody buys into whatever it is, you know, whatever group they're tied to or whatever, you know, thing that they enjoy doing. And I think that that's something, you know, that draws people to that community. I think the other thing is, you know, being able to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And that's how I felt when I played softball for Michigan. Yeah. And did, did you guys have to start like on the, like did, every year, I guess, did you guys have to start on the road for quite a while? Cause I imagine it would have been, you know, to, yes, to play, the weather, up, like play it at home. Today, yeah. It's end of March and it's snowing. Yes. Yeah, so most of our, probably I would say the first two and a half months you're on the road every Thursday through Sunday, you're, you're gone traveling, um, obviously to a warmer climate, IE, you know, West coast, California, Florida, things of that nature. Um, Texas, Tennessee, where we're going to warmer places. So yeah, your first probably two months are on the road games. Yeah. But I mean, that's probably not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, that's being on the road that much is really a good team builder. I think it, um, it prepares you for the entire season Yeah, because, you know, some things are out of your control. You, you can't control the weather where you're going. You can't control the stadium. You don't have the, um, alumni fans at Michigan cheering for you. Everybody else is pretty much against you. But I think that at the start of the season to prepare like that, it kind of puts your back against the wall a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And it sets you apart to kind of see where you're at. And then once Big Ten season started, you know, you were traveling just more Midwest yeah. um, area and staying local. And then as soon as, you know, championship rounds happened, you know, you could have been placed, even though you won, you could potentially be placed at a, a visiting site. So it's good to prepare, I think, in all aspects. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Now, I, I like to ask all uh, all my NCAA guess this question. Do you remember your first ever game? Do I remember my first ever game? Um, not exactly my first ever game, <laughs> but I feel like it was probably an Eastern Michigan game or a Bowling Green. Those are the games that I that I think I remember um, the it, most. It was against Baylor. So close. You guys played number 17 ranked Baylor in Las Vegas. That was my first game. That was your first game. You went oh, yeah. one for three with a walk and a home run. Now. You hit a home run the seventh. Your first ever game. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. You know more than I do. <laughs> well, hey, the internet helps a lot. <laughs> yes. Um, I do remember now because we played at that stadium and at Nevada, uh, they have like a Finley Toyota. So my name was on the scoreboard. So oh, that's, that's cool. That's cool. But you shouldn't feel bad. 85% of the girls I ask on here don't remember their first game. So, hey, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> now, Epic fail. Yeah. Now, not a lot of players get to experience what you did as a freshman. Uh, maybe walk us through that season up to the Women's College World Series. Did you guys know you had the team to beat or, you know, did did Hutch – have you guys on a game by game mentality and said, you know, don't pay attention to those rankings? Um, I think that that season, well, we had a good group of like role, role models as far as like 
seniority. Hmm. We had a good group of seniors and those seniors set the table for the younger group. And I can say younger group because it was a freshman. I was a freshman. It was like they kind of guided us and made us feel like we were a part of the team, regardless of us being 18 and just coming from high school. Yeah. So I think that that was one of the important things. And then the other thing was that stands out is we set a goal day one that we wanted to end our last game, you know, in Oklahoma at the World World Series. So being that that was our goal, like that was what we worked for every day, whether it was practice or a game, we knew we were on our, you know, on our road to the world series. And then we just bought into it and believed in it. And and we all played a certain role in it. And our roles changed during that time. Mm -hmm. Everybody's roles changed, but there was, you know, every girl on that team knew where we were headed and what we were doing. So I think that that's one thing, but as we were getting there, I think that when the rankings changed, we were at Cal state Fullerton tournament. And we, we beat a lot of higher opponents, higher ranked opponents than us. And I think that's when we finally, you know, that's when we had the target on our back that we were number one. And after that, we just kind of, kind of kept that one pitch mentality, one game focus headed into the world series. And we lost some games along the way, but Hmm. um, I I, I think that that tournament is really what stands out. Right. Now, actually, one thing I, that I came across when I was, you know, doing my research and at Michigan's Twitter account, they, you know, they do, they release one of those flashback videos of, of your guys' championship run. And mm-hmm. I forget who said it, but I remember they said that Hutch said, you know, I think it might have been April or March or April around that time. And she asked you guys who was ranked number one at this time in 2004 and nobody knew. And she's like, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, like <laughs> that's great coaching yeah. right there. Like that's, that's mental stuff. Yeah, we definitely did, did a lot of, I remember like one pitch focus training and we were focused just on this game. We didn't care who was next. We just knew we were going to win and mm-hmm. we knew that we had the ability to win and we just did it together kind of as a group. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys get there, you get to the women's college world series. What do you remember about the atmosphere there? Cause I mean, I've talked to a lot of players on here that have been there and they say that you can just feel the difference once you get out there in OKC. I think the biggest difference is like that. That's what you strive to do every season is to get there. And it's not easy to get there. I only got there one time in mm. my four years. Right. And so I think that once you, experience what it feels like as an athlete to get to that elite stage. And when you have an entire stadium of fans yelling and shouting, like you feel the pressure, you feel the, you know, the excitement of, okay, we're here, but we still need to perform and it's not over. And and having, you know, that folk, that narrow focus of come here, play, Michigan softball and do it one game at a time. And Michigan, when, when we did go there, I guess had a reputation of two and barbecue, we call it yeah. um, that they would get there and then they would lose, you know? And so we had that going, you know, kind of against us in that realm, but we, you know, we had such a great camaraderie as a team that everybody believed in each other. And even when our backs were against the wall, we knew somebody was going to step up and do it. Yeah. yeah. I got to ask Like you guys played DePaul, the opening game. I mean, that was good. You know, getting that one out of the way, getting the monkey off the back. You weren't going 
<laughs> one two barbecue you know <laughs> like uh anyway uh, uh there was a play in that game i gotta ask about uh double play you guys got when you overthrew third base and you guys got the mm-hmm. runner at home that almost looked like a set play did you did you mean it to- was not a sweat okay it was not a set play that was a, a an absolute mistake um so i overthrew it to left field i remember i threw it to rebecca million was in left field and we were trying to obviously get the runner i saw her you know rounding yeah. the base and i wanted to throw it but like you said that atmosphere my hands were so sweaty yeah. and i sweat a lot normally i threw the ball and it just it sailed and so I'm like, oh, my God. And then I seen Rebecca right there and she caught it. And the girl had rounded almost halfway and we threw it and she kept going and they got her out at home. So <laughs> it, it, it turned one mistake into a good out. It must have been a strike rate to her, though, because, I mean, it was just like a bang, bang. I was like, holy cow, that looked like a set play. But, hey, you just, just cleared it, that it, up. Honestly, it, it worked out perfectly for an absolute <laughs> mistake. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Now, of course, you guys didn't have an easy road to the finals there. Uh, you guys had to overcome, you know, some pitcher named Monica Abbott just to get there. <laughs> I mean, obviously, that was a, a big hurdle, eh? Just the hardest pitcher to hit off of, I think. <laughs> and, and I truly think that she's the hardest pitcher to hit off of because by the time Monica Abbott lands at 43 feet, yeah. she's probably at like 39. Yep. And you have less than three seconds to make up your mind on what you're going to do when you're hitting and where the ball is going. <laughs> yeah. That's probably 70 to 72 miles an hour. Yeah, that's uh, she throws hard. One hundred percent. Like, like watching her, even just at the Olympics this this past year. I mean, she's still bringing it. She is, and I I think that that's what separates her um, as a pitcher. She she's a phenomenal pitcher and she's a phenomenal athlete and she's also added more pitches to her repertoire which mm-hmm. has made her even more successful. Can you imagine hitting? I couldn't imagine a Monica college Monica pitcher that had like a a 70 mile an hour fastball and then like a 30 mile an hour changeup. Yeah, really. <laughs> like, and it was complete deadly. Yeah. Buckle. Yeah. <laughs> she she Buckle, is yeah. probably one of the toughest pitchers I think to hit off of. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. So let's talk about the finals against UCLA. You guys dropped the first game five, nothing. Uh, can you remember what the message was after that game? I remember. Obviously. Carol was not too happy. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> uh, she does not like to lose. So, but the, the key thing that stood out was um, we had a chance. Yeah. And it was the best of three series. And all we had to do was take care and come out and play Michigan softball. And she, you know, one pit, that one pitch focus. I can't stress that enough. That's a lot what I remember about during the World Series is one pitch focus, one at bat, one out play Michigan softball. And I think that that's what we ended up doing the second game. And, and I don't think it could have worked out any better um, as we progressed through the other game mm-hmm. because we got the momentum from it. And I think that that loss was the spark that kind of we needed to turn around. And and we had been there before because we've lost, we had lost um, before and had to bounce back and come and beat somebody earlier in the middle of the night. And we didn't have much sleep. I remember that. Um, so I think when adversity hits and you're able to persevere, I think that's why we um, were able to yeah. 
to do what we did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you guys lost to Tennessee and then had to come back and like you you guys lost to Monica and then come back and had to play her again. That's right too. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. the, uh, well, whatever the message was, I mean, obviously it worked. You guys took game two, five two, and then roll into what's safe to say the biggest game of your life. Accurate. Yeah, <laughs> I, I figured. Like, did you love playing in those big pressure situations? I did. I, I think I've been like that since I was, you know, younger. Yeah. Like I said, it, it was that mindset that we were taught at a young age. But I do. I, I try to teach my kids that too. Is that like you want to be the one for your team? That that you know, when there's 16 girls on a team, and the coach picks out one person and says, "Who would you want to bat right now?" Bases loaded, three and two, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Two outs. Who do you want to bat? Yeah. Every single person should say they want everybody to bat. Right. But yeah. I want to be that one person. So I think that, like I said, I think that's, that's the mindset that you have to have is, you know, I wanted the pressure. I liked the pressure. I, I wanted to be in that situation and I wanted to prove that I could do it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the home run. <laughs> top the mm-hmm. tent, top the tent, tied at one, two runners on one, one count two outs and you absolutely turn on what looked to be a rise ball right in your wheelhouse sitting on that one. <laughs> yeah. I, um, she, like I said, when people talk about being in the zone, you're in the zone. And I think that that weekend, thankfully I was in a good zone and I was seeing good pitches. I was taking good cuts and I just saw it in and I swung. Jeez. And I think that <laughs> you swung you know, <laughs> good things. I, I knew that I knew that it was a good hit as soon as I rounded first and saw Bonnie's face. So I think that that um, is something I'll never forget. And in the moment that I really, truly will never forget is rounding third base and coming home and and seeing all my teammates and and the expression on their face yeah. is something I I don't think I'll ever forget. Oh no, doubt, absolutely not. Now, was it nerve wracking going back back out there for the bottom half of the inning? It was, but I think we had the momentum and I knew with Jenny Ritter on the mound that with, with the lead and that type of momentum, there was no way she was going to let anybody get on base. No, actually speaking of Jenny, like those last two games, she just was dialed in. Like (laughs) her her stats for those last two games were just unreal. Um, She, she's a bulldog and, and she wanted to fight and she, she, she's like the hitter mindset on the pitching mound. She was, didn't want to get beat twice. Didn't want anybody to get on base and she wanted to be the one to get them out. And I think that that's, you know, a true testament to who she was as a pitcher and Mm -hmm. how great she was. Yeah. Now how awesome was that feeling when Jessica Merchant made that final out? Um, it couldn't have happened to a better human being. I think that that worked out that way because it was meant to work out that way. She is a, a Michigan uh, woman through and through. And to end her last game as a national championship mm-hmm. champion and to be able to catch the last ball or last out, I think that that was truly meant to be. I had to laugh at her celebration, though. Because she basically did an airplane right to you. Like she was like weaving and bobbing <laughs> through everybody. And uh, I watched it like the last couple, like I watched it a bunch of times the last couple of days. And I, every just, time. I, think, I think, you know, you truly, 
as a senior now that I, you know, got to experience it at the time, I didn't know what it was like, but as a senior to experience that and not every, like you said, you know, I didn't, I couldn't even remember who I played the first game, but she'll never forget that she won her last game as a senior. Mm -hmm. And there's not many people as a college athlete that can say they won their last game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you go on to have an amazing four-year career with Michigan. Are there any uh, other memories that stick out, you know, whether it's on or off the field for you? Um, Just the camaraderie with our team. I, I did get a chance to play with my sister for two years, so that was fun. Um, I I just enjoyed every part of it. And, you know, you're, you're only a college athlete for four years, but you're an, a Mich- Michigan alumni for the rest of your life. And I, I think that that, that family tradition of excellence that Hutch has built for everybody and the alumni is the reason why Michigan softball is who they are today. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Um, let's chat about your time playing pro here for a bit. Uh, first, how cool was it, you know, not only to be able to play for your hometown Chicago Bandits, but win a championship in your first season in 2000. I think you have like a first year lucky charm sort of thing going on. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. If all year, all years were only one year, I'd be okay. Um, no, it was great. I, I like being in Chicago. I, you know, playing professional softball is something that I, I wish would get bigger for all athletes. Yeah. Um, and, and they're working on it through exposing the sport. It just is, you know, it gives college athletes an avenue to perform after college. And and I think that, you know, you're playing with the elite of the elite and there is no room for error. They know every, you know, hole in your swing, the pitchers know exactly where to throw you. And, you know, you you hit the ball and play and everybody's scooping it up. So you got to hit it where they're not. So Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, that's a true testament to the athletes, you know, in the game at that level. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Is the, uh, how was the uh, championship celebration that year? Must've been pretty fun. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It was fun. It's just fun to experience. Like I said, a championship at any level is fun to experience. And the thing you remember the most is the people that you're with and being a part of a team and something bigger than yourself at any point in your life, I think is something that everybody should get to experience. Yeah. How cool was it playing with Jenny Finch? Well, obviously she's the icon of softball, so it, it's great. I think that um, she's a good asset to both the sport and she's a great athlete. She was a great athlete at Arizona pitching, so it's pretty cool to say that your teammate was Jenny Finch. Oh, absolutely. Um, 2012, you'd announced your retirement from the game. Was, uh, was there a main factor that led to the decision? I'm guessing family? Starting a family? Uh, yeah, yeah, in 20, 2013, I had my son, so I stopped playing as soon as I started having my son. Yeah, yeah, right on. Anything like looking back now? Is there uh, is there anything you wish you could have done, or you know, are you? I mean, obviously, you're content with how life has turned yeah. out, but I mean, is there you know looking back? Is there anything you know you wish you could have done more, or or like I said, totally content? Um, I, I think that, you know, if I chose not to have children, I think I would have competed a little bit longer, yep. but for the most part, I wouldn't change anything in the world. My, my kids are, you know, what you live for now and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. you strive to make them, you know, better than you are yourself and, you know, try to teach them to be good human beings and, 
and find their place in life. And I think that that's, you know, fun to see them grow. So, but could I go out there right now and hit? Absolutely. I'm ready. Oh, I'd love to hear that. That's awesome. <laughs> um, little thing. We, we, I like to end the, the podcast with Sam. Uh, I call it player association. I'm going to, I'm going to throw out some names to you and okay. you can elaborate. If you have a good story, let her go. <laughs> okay. First one, coach Carol Hutchins. Um, Carol Hutchins stole my spikes because I put my shoes outside the door of the hotel and stole my cleats and I didn't think I had my shoes. So that was a tough trick on me. <laughs> oh, I know. Did she give them back? Joys of being a freshman. <laughs> oh, she obviously gave them back though. <laughs> yes. They were sitting at first base when we got to the field. That's all. See, it's awesome <laughs> to have a coach like that though. You know, that, that is willing to, you know, pull pranks on players. I mean, it's nothing better than having a, a player's coach. Absolutely. And she definitely defines that. Mm. Uh, who else do I, uh, Alessandra Giampalo. Alessandra was, um, a great teammate. Uh, she was a center fielder from California. And I just remember my freshman year, um, wanting to hit like how she did on the left side. She just had such a smooth swing and, um, I just, I always wanted to be, I'm left-handed. So I always wanted to be left-handed. It's just, my dad was right-handed and taught us how to hit righty. So I obviously am biased and I taught my daughter how to hit lefty. I made her hold it lefty. Good for you. I'm the same way. I'm left-handed <laughs> and I, th I, I pitch right and I hit right. And I wish I pitched left and hit left. <laughs> it's just a lefty swing just looks so much smoother than a right-handed swing. And I don't yes. care how good the right-handed hitter is. I agree. I, I, I totally agree with you that. And, <laughs> and if you can get the art of slapping down, you have a way better chance of getting on, on bait. If you can run, that is. <laughs> if you're quick. Yes. Yeah. If you definitely yeah. have some speed behind you. Yeah. Oh, freak. Uh, next up, uh, Roya Sinclair. Roya is the best friend and roommate of best friend of my sister and myself. We roomed with Roya. And the biggest thing I remember about Roya was Roya had a lot of con concussions. She was a catcher. So everybody was knocking into her. So that's the biggest thing I remember about Roya is her catching concussions. Oh, okay. That's going to be tough on her right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I hope she doesn't experience headaches all the time. But uh, um, No, she's good. She's coaching um, in Washington and St. Louis. So oh, good she's um, doing well and we're proud of her. Good for her. Good for her. Uh, last, certainly not least, uh, you definitely know her, Angela Finley. <laughs> I think that the biggest thing I remember about playing with Angela is... I'm glad that she created her own path at Michigan and a lot of people, you know, yeah. it's hard when you, you know, your sisters and you compete, but she made her own way and she made her own story at Michigan. And I'm glad that she was able to accomplish the things that she did. And she accomplished a lot of things that I didn't get to do. And, you know, she was like a four time um, all American. And, and I don't recall how many times I, I it was able to do it maybe only once. Um, but I, I think that that that's the biggest thing is I'm glad that she created her own way and her own name for Michigan as she should or would have yeah. done anywhere. 
Yeah. Because I, I imagine after that, you know, after your freshman season and her coming in, she came in your junior season, was it? Correct. My yeah. Junior I mean, and senior year. Like, good for her on making her own name. Because like you said, that, that would have been a tough situation after doing what you did in 05. And then we also had, like I said, in 2004, she... I was a senior, so she was a sophomore, and we had won a high school championship together, too. Oh, wow. She's a lot to live up to. Holy cow, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, great way to end this. Uh, I got to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to do this. This, is, this has been awesome. I appreciate you reaching out and thank you for, you know, doing what you do. And it's amazing to hear other people and their stories. And, you know, you get a glimpse into who athletes are beyond, you know, the field. And I think that the key thing that stands out for me is, you know, we're all humans and we're all trying to be better in our daily lives. And if we can, you know, make an impact on one person's life, then, then I think we've truly, you know, done what we're meant to do as humans. Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, Sam, all the best moving forward. You, Logan, Annabelle, wish you nothing but the best. Thank you very much, Randy. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. See, I'm not gonna let me go crazy. Not this time. Stepped out of my house in seven days Heaven shaved, heaven showered, heaven changed Same clothes, different day Another good morning, pissed away Hey, got the whole world looking right at me Actually, feels like people starting to look past me I've been around Feels like this just might be a last dance I'm frustrated, I'm past tense I still don't feel like I has been I don't, but it's like a ghost town up in the studio Nobody comes around here no more I guess it's just how the movie go uh, I don't like playing my old friends new songs They don't listen to rap like back when They all grew up, kinda moved on And how could I blame them, huh? I used to sleep, eat and breathe this shit But now the older I get I'm questioning if I really needed this I used to stress what people said And what people thought about me Now I worry about if my daughter Can make it home from school without me But still at the same time As I'm writing this rhyme I'm in my kitchen My daughter's trying to tell me about a day I hear but not really listening I'm staring at her But in my head I'm putting these words together I know that I need to do better Cause what I do now could change forever Shadows swimming in my head lately But I don't I'm not gonna let me go crazy Not this time I'm going through changes I'm gonna make it for sure uh, It's a fall from paradise I'm going through changes That I've been here before uh, And I know I'm so indecisive these days And musically I feel confused Don't know what I'm like in these days I just think it's time to check all the new shit Plus all of the... Are you downsizing? Maybe need more room because of additions to the family or possibly seeking that dream home you've always wanted? Well, Tim Eisner at Royal LePage Atlantic is the guy for you. With a proven track record and multiple awards, Tim goes above and beyond to find out your needs and exactly what you're looking for. So if you're seeking a new home or trying to sell your current one, contact Tim at 902 
402-499-5717 or check him out on Facebook at Tim Eisner. Again, that's 902-499-5717. Trust me, when all is said and done, we'll be saying Tim Eisner strikes again.